0: Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I'm here with Rhonda LaRue, the author of Remembering Who You Really Are, The Journey of Awakening to Soul, and the host of Soul Arts Spiritual Retreats. Rhonda, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Matt. It's wonderful to be talking with you today.
0: Yes. So, tell us about Remembering Who You Really Are. What's uh, the book about, and why did you decide to write it?
1: Well, you know what's the book about? It's about remembering. And you know, I use the word remembering. A lot of people talk about these days about uh, consciousness and growing consciousness and spiritual awakening and spiritual enlightenment and all of these these sort of buzzwords out there. And um, the book was really written because of my own personal experience, but it's also a guidebook for others through that challenging, difficult terrain that people like Eckhart Tolle and others talk about, which is you know, that that journey of of facing and confronting the ego and and growing and opening to what I call the language of soul. And so I use the word remembering because to me it's not, place it's not enlightened it's not awakened it's a continual evolutionary growth of consciousness and remembering really has a a couple of different meanings and and truly what i've discovered in my own spiritual life development is that as we grow in consciousness and as we more and more come awake that it is a remembering it's a it's a reclaiming of our wholeness and wholeness isn't what we think it is
0: (laughs) yeah what um what do you, what do you mean wholeness isn't what you what we think it is What are you uh, referring to when you're talking about wholeness?
1: It's I think in the very opening of my book, which I don't have in front of me, but perhaps you do. I have a quote by Jung, that Carl Jung, that, that says, you know, only paradox comes close to uh, expressing the truth of of life, and wholeness truly is that way. We have this notion in our in our culture that that in order to be whole, we have to heal our problems, fix our problems, get over our issues, our childhood wounds, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and then we can be whole. And it's really a misunderstanding. And in a true mystical awareness and awakening, and remembering what one comes to discover is, is the paradox that you know we don't necessarily ever fix or change our our. Uh, patterns or defenses, but but they become clear and clean within a deeper wholeness that already exists. So in Eastern philosophy and religion, they talk about um, that which is already always here. It's the the unity consciousness, and so wholeness really is, is... the, the the totality of, of of you that is before, beyond, and way, way, way greater than any of the little issues that we attend to. And the reason I say it's not what we think is we keep trying to fix it with our minds, and the mind is really not the tool for fixing it. It's not even the tool for understanding. There's nothing to be fixed. There's only to be seen, and in the seeing, you're healed. So in the Bible, they talk about um, you know, seek ye the truth and the truth will set you free, that's a profound mystical understanding. When you see, when one sees their wholeness, it sets you free. And it doesn't mean every childhood issue is 100% gone and forever we live in bliss. <laughs> it means there's a greater understanding of wholeness in which you reside. And so you become sort of unshakable in what, you know, Deepak Chopra talks about as the still point. You become quite unshakable in the center where you are still. And it doesn't mean there aren't... Um, issues that still arise or tendencies that automatically happen, but in the seeing, if this makes any sense in the seeing there is there is a unshakable
0: grounded wholeness that can't be can't be disturbed. This is probably my mind asking this question, but how do we uh how do we see that wholeness? Are you referring to like becoming more aware of our true nature are there any sort of like practices or tips you have for uh, seeing our wholeness more clearly. I have
1: a. I have a very. That's a good question, and I have a very good bizarre. Again, it's a, It's sort of an irony. It's also. It's again a kind of a paradoxical twist. What What I've discovered, and what I what I do with my clients that seems to have such radically profound transformations is, instead of trying to just ohm on the nature your, on your original nature, you know, sit there and try to try to get it. I actually use. Point from which a person is, and most of us are are caught up in our dramas, and caught up in our stories, and caught up in our defences. And so, I have a a sort of a, a very artful, creative, and it's not a method, so I can't be more specific than this. But I have a way of having a person who works with me privately take out those different pieces of themselves and literally give them an identity but give them an identity outside of themselves a caricature so to speak that they can actually see and dialogue with and once it, when it's outside of you so it, it when it's outside of you subliminally what's happening is you've seated yourself as the observer as the dispassionate one as the curious one as the soul and you become a witness watching these these dynamics that we get so caught up with in the mind and we can see very clearly and in that moment of seeing suddenly it dawns on you that there's something in you deeper than those things and it is your original nature and you are in fact dwelling in it right now
0: that sounds really cool um Another part of your book that I found really fascinating was you write a lot about the dark night of the soul. And I was just curious um, if you could maybe explain that. What exactly is the dark night of the soul?
1: Yes, I, I, I sort of can. <laughs> it, it was It was really why I wrote the book, and that's because you know when one, when you're going through what people call you know an awakening or a radical shift of consciousness you don't know what you're going through it seems as if it's you feel like it's a death you feel like everything in your life you know is gone your your identity is gone your job you know everything that used to mean something to you just seems to you know have no more luster no no more meaning so it's it's worse than depression or the blues it's utter despair it's almost like an existential crisis where there's just you know, complete confusion. Almost, you know, in the Bible again, they talk about you know Jesus wandering the desert for forty days and forty nights. I think that was a, a dark night of soul experience. And um, Saint John on the cross is the one that really kind of coined that term. And it really stands for a classical um, movement of consciousness that is fr- from the from the identified self into what we call today, you know, awakening. And it's it's a it's a very confusing terrain. And so when I wrote my book, I I didn't mean to write a book. It it actually wrote me. (laughs) And and I was in the dark night, and I was just trying to grapple with it and understand it. And and what is this is happening? There's there's no nothing left. You know, my my job, health, career, everything just sort of everything that i could attach meaning to taken away and it's a crazy muddling time and i you know i did research and i studied and i read as i have my whole life but nothing could really console me and as i began you know writing and 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 expressing it and also reading what was out there i recognized in hindsight as all insight is that i was in a dark night of soul and that my book remembering who you really are is actually unique in that it's the snapshot at that exact moment you know so many books out there are sort of after the fact you know Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now and being the present moment but it's really hard to get when you're when you're someplace else like huh? Oh, what is he talking about okay I'm gonna sit and try to meditate into that you can't understand it you can't because you're not you are not you are not in the same consciousness and what I think is a sort of the unique treasure of that, that first book is that the first half of the book is I'm where everybody is. You know, I was lost and struggling with my with my identities and my identifications and my ego. So the whole first half of the book is, is that wrestling, wrestling, confusion. And in the middle of the book, you see what's starting to happen. And And by the end of the book, it takes you into that sort of what I call musical language of soul because I was living it as I was writing it. The book wrote itself while I was going through. So it's just one of those, like, snapshots.
0: <laughs> right, right. And how do you how do you know if you're in the dark night of the soul or if you're just going through some tough times in life? I mean, that's,
1: what, what's, that's a good question. Here's a good
0: answer. You don't know. That's what
1: makes it a dark night of the soul. <laughs> you don't get to know. It's utter terror, utter terrifying despair, depression, with a lot of of spiritual angst attached to it.
0: Why why do you think it's such a? I mean, it seems to be somewhat of a common Experience for people who are seeking some sort of deeper spiritual understanding, or at least there's been a fair amount of uh, great mystics and saints write about it. Why do you think um, all of these enlightened spiritual seekers, or people who at least are seeking to become have a deeper understanding of life, have to go through such terrible times or utter terror?
1: Well, you know, as, as Adi who I really love, as Adi says, you know, you,
0: you're asking for something you really don't
1: want. I'm <laughs> <laughs> speaking. <Stop> <laughs> you don't want it. <laughs> the last thing your ego wants is enlightenment. I hate to... <laughs> it hates it. It's because it's because of that, Matt. I mean, it's because it's it's a it truly is in a way at least in, in, almost on a cellular level, it, it's, it represents death to the ego, and the ego does not want to die. And the ego is not a bad thing. The ego is useful to us and, and necessary even. So, you know, we, I think we're mistaken to say you have to kill the ego. You have to kill the ego. It's that the ego goes through a, a death of the, the being, the mind. The, it goes through a death when its way, its power, its, its control, its illusion that it, that it has some kind of control over your life is is. Is taken away by the real realization that it does not have control, that it's actually an illusion. I mean, that's devastating. When you realize that all the things you think you have control of, and that you think you can, you know, master and manage, and that you're you're somehow, you know, in the seat of, of the driver's seat of your life, and you realize, no, in fact, you're not. It's it's really truly an illusion, and that what we thought was how to fix problems through the mind and through thinking and through analysis and all these things we've become so enculturated to is not how the problem gets solved and in fact what keeps the little what i call the hamster cage you know keeps you spinning in the hamster cage when we discover that it's all it's all false i mean that's a pretty devastating shock it's like whoa then my whole faith everything's disturbed everything is wiped out and you wonder if you're going crazy or if there is something on the other side It's, it's like learning a new language and you don't know the language. You just know that everything that was the ground of your belief and, and that held your life together has proven itself to be false, and you don't know what 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 replaces it.
0: Yeah, and then to maybe kind of add to that, so after you go through a dark night of the soul, what's what 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 have you found to be the result after you sort of go through that process?
1: Well, two things: uh, amazing, amazing, amazing freedom and what I call uh, i you know, I talk often about how people finding their 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 true genius And you one's genius, when I mean genius it's not and i it's not like it's you know Rhonda's genius Matt's genius it's not like you get to own it anymore, but you but you do discover that that your true giftedness also gets remembered also gets comes out the other side, and whatever are your unique gifts and skills become even. More heightened because you're not using you're not using them they're being used by life itself so what I found is is amazing like freedom spaciousness automatic unshakable peace yeah, incredible brilliance because you're not you're not trying to think it's like when when I work with people or even like when we're talking here I mean there's no thoughts in my head I'm not thinking what should I say to Matt you know it, my I go completely utterly empty and listen to life and and let the intelligence of life, the intelligence of soul, which is something we 've never been taught how to listen for, which which is why we go through such crisis, I let that speak through me, and it uses my unique little my unique little fingerprint, my unique little soul print, so I found that, and the other thing I guess I'd have to say too is that I found. That, you know a lot of the same struggles still exist. i mean it's not like i don't still have my own little my own little petty things you know it's not like they're all suddenly gone and i'm a bundling oming blissful thing <laughs> right. but there is dr- dramatic dramatic peace and spaciousness and and intelligence that's when you let go of the need to, to manage and to manufacture and control the intelligence of your life, the intelligence with which you, your life is informed when you wait on life and listen to life and follow life as opposed to try to manufacture manage and control it 's an utterly different experience you know, so i don 't keep lists of anything anymore i don't there 's no to dos I live in this most abundant playful listening, and yeah, some days 're stressful too, just like everybody else's
0: right right um yeah, I always. Seem like there's kind of like a tension between like letting go and just sort of like letting life uh, guide you, and also sort of being willing to go after your your dreams or your soul's desires or your life purpose. And how have you found, or what sort of advice would you have for someone who um, they want to sort of let life take a hold of them and and go with that, but they also feel called to follow their own person, that's
1: a life, great, purpose. great. Great question. That's a great question, and and like so many other questions, it's 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 the razor's edge. You know, it's like not to air one side or the other. It's like right down that awkward razor's edge, that balancing point. You know, and so I guess what I say to people and for myself as well is, is if if the motive is what I call needy, greedy, like because so you, you can feel that in your body when you're needy of something, like I need to I need to prove myself. I need to make my way in the world when there's neediness like that, like that kind of kind of driving neediness, yeah. that's not taking action. That's actually that's actually being motivated by fear. And when fear is the motive, it's 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 never it's always constricted and it's never a good a good open way to go about life. So when there's needy greedy, that feeling in your body, you know, the need to grasp at something, I've got to make something happen, that's fear. You can feel it in your body. It's constricted, it's tight, it's it's fear driven, it's insecure driven. So to me the balance point is is that that delicate uh, listening to life but listening is an active thing. I'm listening while I'm engaging. So it's not like I'm sitting back waiting for, you know, life to show me my life purpose and then I'm going to go do it. That's that's childish and and irresponsible. I am listening while I'm while I'm moving. So it's more like downhill skiing, you know? It's like you don't sit up at the slope and have someone explain every mogul before you go. You can't. It wouldn't be skiing, you know? So you have to be moving but listening and attending and feeling very very alert and receptive while you're moving so it's both action if that if you can see that you know I, I take actions all the time i put i i put my website out because i want people that are meant for this to find me so yeah i take actions but i don't calculate it like well should i make a website that says this so that i get this kind of person so i can you know here's my niche and this is my you know that's needy greedy
0: <laughs> control yeah, yeah that makes yeah i like that analogy kind of reminds me a little bit like Yin
1: and Yang. Yes, yes, and it is. It's very much the principle of Yin and Yang coming coming into like a harmonic in your being. So you you are actively receptive. You are actively listening, which means you're you're acting. And you're listening, and every and as you're listening, you're also adjusting your action. You're going, you're you're adjusting as you go. So it's it's a dance. It's a relationship with life. As opposed, we're so sort of drawn out as if we're this separate thing that has to conquer our life. As if it's out there. We don't understand that it's a it's a it's a dynamic dance.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's that's great. I think that's a great way you put it. it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you talk a little bit about? The soul arts, spiritual re- retreats. Um, how did that start, and what exactly is that? Uh-huh.
1: That started just a, just a great segue from what we're just talking about because I sure didn't sit down and think, "Okay, what should I do next round?" I guess I'll go and start offering, you know, doing private <laughs> spiritual retreats. <laughs> <laughs> I so in the, in the in just to follow through with our, our previous conversation. I wrote I wrote a book and people and I and I put it out because I I wanted to you know let other people sh- I wanted to share with other people the Dark Night and the Inquiry and the and the reflections on it and from that a website came and from that people started contacting me from all over the globe and and dialoguing with me and from that they people wanted to come and work with me and from that you know I was going through a divorce and my house was sitting here empty and I was you know and and, and I thought well I need to open the space and and it's it, this is I love I love this space, and, and so I, I just threw it out there having no idea what I was really, you know, what I was doing or, or if it was a smart idea, not a smart idea, logistic or not logistic, and, um, you know, five, four or five years later, I people come from all over the world to work privately with me one-on-one, and it's beautiful because it's such a rare thing. It's like the old traditional, um, like the ancient um, apprenticeship, you know, where you, where you work one-on-one, and it's intense. It's it's relaxing. It's so home because it is in my home, and it's very sort of artisan. And and I just help people. Live, I just help people shine a light on their own seeing, on their own consciousness, and how to follow, the, how to first hear the language of soul and follow it, and 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 enter into what I call the artistry of, of living your destiny. You know, there's an, there's an art to it. So Ojai Soul Arts is really um, just opening my home to people who apply to come and, and be with me for um, usually three and a half days, very intense. And it's an unbelievable miracle to see the kinds of transformations that happen in three days when three days are given to that kind of depth of soul together with no distractions and in complete harmony with daily living. So we just we eat, breathe, live it together for those three days. And it's it's utterly life-transforming. It's it's a beautiful miracle to be a part of.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Is it like, do you design the program for each individual, or do you have like a set um, schedule, or is it just sort of depend on when the individual gets there and what they want to work on, or what's the... It's what none the of reason?
1: those. It's none of that. It's like entering into the mystery of your soul. There's uh, never there's not a there can't be an agenda or it would be dead it's it's training it's like if you wanted to sit i don't mean to call myself a guru because i think that's presumptuous but it's like sitting with a teacher so that of consciousness so that you can actually see it within yourself it's like it's like that and it's it's so it's like going to see a zen guy you know you're in your mind you'd go to like a zen temple and how you know you know how zen guys are i mean it's like it's always throwing you off base you know it's not what you expect it's not what you think and and there's there's, there's sort of a playful creative transformational mystique to the whole thing it's like that so there is i can't have an agenda or a program because that would be a method and that would be dead that's not even what there's no no way a person can transform and open to their soul and understand the depths of themselves through you know ultimately through a a canned program method practice (laughs) it has to be has to come from them so i'm listening to them Yes we meet in the, yes, we meet in the morning usually, and yes, we meet in the afternoon usually, and we do other things in between you know but other than that it 's completely following that person and so it 's utterly creative I mean some people are burning big old fires, and some people are doing midnight sweats, and some people are are taking day day long hikes, and some people are creating amazing Sort of um, alters to what they're seeing in the parts of themselves that need to come out and be reflected. It, it, there's no way I could put anything generic as an answer back to you because what I'm showing is the creativity of your soul and that being in that, that that dynamic dance with life is how you stay awake to the moment. It's being in that dynamic dance. It's being in the downhill ski. So we're downhill skiing when we're here.
0: <laughs> cool. Sounds fun.
1: It was really fun. That is really, that's the, that's the most amazing thing about it is, you know, people come so burdened. And I mean, I have a lot of people that have been through terrible, you know, childhood abuses and, and traumas and, you know, some really, really pained lives. and, and, Universally, everybody. I mean, they, they, you know, they come probably kind of worried. You know, oh gosh, I've got to face my problems again. I've got to sort out my woes. I've got to somehow rise above my conditioning and out these terrible childhood wounds, et cetera, et cetera. And then they come all like kind of, you know, consternated. Of oh gosh, I've got to face it. And what they find is the playful, creative way that I've discovered for transformation is utterly fun. It's, and I would say it's a little bit titillating. It's fun. It's mysterious. It's it's surprising and it's easy. <laughs>
0: that sounds I mean, great. So, it's
1: such a relief.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you what sort of feedback or responses have you have you received or what do people say afterwards?
1: Oh gosh, Matt. I wish I wish I could put every comment. I wish I wish everybody could hear it because there's it so much more to hear from somebody else that's gone through something like this and for me to talk about it and it's just so beautiful. I, I I can't, I, I swear, I can't. it's the most beautiful messages of, like, thank you. I never knew how easy it was to find my soul. I'm eternally grateful. I've never realized that I had such brilliance inside of me that's connected to God and to my source, and and I'm alive for the first time in my life. You know, I mean, comments like that. I mean, just, like, over-the-top, unbelievable, enthusiastic, joyful, relieved, <laughs> beautiful comments it goes it goes on and on and on i mean i'm embarrassed to say it in a way but it's not me it's not about me it's about them and and i wish i could i wish it's everybody's what they say i wish everybody could somehow have their own website to that because it's such a beautiful thing to see a person's light come on through the portal or through the doorway of you know a lifetime of suffering and to finally see that the suffering underneath has the key to their 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 joy, their love, and their brilliance.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: It's really um, awesome.
0: Yeah, you can't really ask for too much more than that. Um, no, that's for sure. If someone is interested in working with you or um, contacting you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, I very easily through the website. I'm, I'm not so easy to get through by the phone. I'm one of those people that I live somewhat like a somewhat of a hermit, though, I mean, I'm in another world as well, but I'm, I'm a bit of a hermit. Um, the website is the very best way, and I have two, Ronda LaRue, which is my name, but it has no H, so people kind of miss that often. It's R-O-N-D-A-L-A-R-U-E. So, Rondalarue.com has a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, lots of articles and just tons of things for your own inner self-reflection. And, um, it leads also to my other website, which is Ojai Soul Arts, and Ojai is O J A I, and it's S O U L A R T S. So it's OjaiSoulArts.com. But if you just Google Rhonda Larue without the H, you'll find you'll find me, and um, the website just the websites have a lot of information. And the one thing I've noticed was is that. The people that are meant to work with me, they just find their way. It's like, and and people when they read the website, what I hear most often, because I almost never meet or even talk to the person. Most of them haven't read my book before they come. They just see the, they see all the stuff on the website, and they feel a resonance with it. And they're like, I just know I have to be there. I don't know why. This is probably crazy. How can I be going to somebody's private house? It's like I've never met, but something speaks to me that I have to do this. And they just do it. And. Every single time, it's like a miracle walks in the door. It's just, it's beautiful.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with us today. Do you have any closing uh, remarks or comments that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah. The key really is inside of you. It, honest to God is. The key to everything is already right there within, and it's just a very simple, easy, slight little perceptual shift, and you see it. And when you see it, you're free. And I also want to thank you, Matt, for everything you're doing in your life because I know you've been through a lot of um, a lot of shifts and changes, and also we're, we're in the corporate world, as was I, and it takes quite an act of courage and, and great spirit to um, join the frontier.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and like I said, we appreciate you being on here, and I would really encourage people to check out uh, your website, com and also check out your book, Remembering Who You Really Are. I read it and really enjoyed it. So, uh, Rhonda, thanks again for being here today. Thank
1: you, Matt.